Hello everyone and welcome back to Sabbath School from Home, a podcast where we are this season progressing systematically through the book of Ephesians. So our task for this episode is the second half of Ephesians 4. I'm really enjoying the way that we're just uh, progressing through in this orderly manner. My name's Lachlan and I'm interested to see where we go this time. And I'm Luke and I'm likewise approving of the uh, methodical and holistic approach to reading a chapter of the a book of the Bible. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting to see the way that uh, some of the ideas develop, to see the way some of the phrases get uh, reused and repeated. I'm reminded, an anecdote I'm sure I've shared on the podcast probably seasons ago, I'm reminded of an occasion one time when I was driving three hours in the car from Canberra to Sydney, and I listened to an audiobook of the of the book of Isaiah in the Bible. And Isaiah is one of those books that I think very few people regularly just sit down and read from end to end. And as an audiobook in the car while driving, it just was coming, rolling relentlessly across. And what jumped out at me were the patterns of ideas and of phrases of, of speech, so to say, that, that kept emerging. Uh, it was a different feel in terms of what was emphasized because I just let it roll uh, without kind of interruption and without distraction. Um, or at least I got slightly distracted on occasion, but Isaiah just kept going mm. and my distractions didn't cause me to put it down and, and lose lose the progress. A really interesting insight into the Bible, and I'd encourage everyone listening to find um, an audio recording of a passage of the Bible, of a book of the Bible, and just give it a go. See how different you find the feel of it. We're not getting to do it without interruption because we're split it across episodes, but we are getting the same feeling as we progress through Ephesians and see some themes build and be repeated. And um, yeah, it's quite interesting. So we've got to read today, we've got to read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32, to the end of the chapter. And although we've run out of time on this recording session for Cam to be able to, to join us in the recording, he did send through a few comments, and um, one of the comments that he made was that uh, he he finds this passage particularly vivid and particularly excellent when read in the message paraphrase. So that's what we're going to do uh, in this episode. So why don't we jump in, Luke? I might read the first couple of verses up to about 25 and then leave you to take the yep. second half. Happy to do so. Here it is, Ephesians 4, starting at verse 17. And so I insist, and God's, God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. But that's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life. A God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. What this adds up to, then, is this. No more lies. No more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other, after all. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry, 
Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Did you used to make ends meet by stealing? Well, no more. Get an honest job so that you can help others who can't work. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word is a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, and profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Right. Well, Cam was certainly correct. It comes to life, doesn't it? Um, mm. in, in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase there in the message. What, what's, what jumped out at you the most, Luke? Mm. Well, uh, I, something I was thinking of is, and it, it comes down to how we understand the way that the, the Holy Spirit works in us. Um, when I was growing up, I developed the idea, which I think to be, to be a flawed and inaccurate one, that the Holy Spirit working in me meant that it would, it would take away things about myself that I didn't want. Ah. So I could say, I, I don't want to be depressed mm. anymore. And if I have enough faith, the Holy Spirit will make that happen. Right. Um, you know, or, or I, 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 don't, I don't want to be um, shy anymore. Mm. Um, or, you know, I don't want to be selfish anymore. I don't want to be greedy anymore. I don't want to be whatever it is. Um, if I don't want it, I can give it to God, you know, give everything to God in prayer. Um, and if I have enough faith, God will take it away. And, and clearly, I don't have enough faith because that never happened. Um, but what I find very encouraging about this is that Paul is telling them to do things. He's telling them to make the effort. Mm. You know, verses sort of 30, 31 and 32 yep. and, and 26 and, and, and 27. This is not saying, you know, pray to God and he'll take your anger away. Yeah. He's saying, you make the choice to let your anger go as quickly as possible yeah, and not use it to try and, and don't try and get revenge on You choose not to take revenge based on, on, on your anger. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's what he's saying is that these, you know, the, the Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is, is something else. The changes in your behavior are things that you must be in control over. And Paul is advising them here to, be in control of them. Mm. And some things, like like the anger there, um, it, it's, it's, it's great in the message, isn't it? Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And then it sort of follows up after sort of saying, well, look, you're going to be angry. Go ahead and be angry. Be angry productively. It then says, and don't stay angry. So it's kind of saying... Acknowledge, acknowledge it, the, the feeling, but use it productively. Let it, go. let it out, vent it out, and and then kind of move on. It it says the phrase here: "Don't go to bed angry," um, and and then it says, "I find this slightly challenging." Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. 
implying that going to bed angry is actually giving the devil a foothold in your life. I, th- I think it's connected to that, that, that comment about revenge, to be honest. It's saying if you go to bed angry, it's, in, it's implying that you are dwelling in your anger. You're wallowing and f- um, festering. You're, you're cultivating an anger. That, that's the difference between being a person who is angry and becoming an angry person. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, you know, the, when when you read all of it together, you know, Paul is taking the view that individuals have a great deal of agency mm. over whether or not their behaviour and and the way that they deal with their emotions is is appropriate mm. or, or not. Mm. Um, and it's not something where you know the devil can just do whatever he wants because he's stronger than you. Hmm. That's that's not what Paul is saying here. He's saying you you can choose not to give the devil these opportunities. Yep. Um you are stronger, in fact. Mm. Mm. Um which is very different to, you know, the 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 way that I grew up thinking about these sort of things. Um yeah. And it's actually very encouraging. I mean, um 2029 20, Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Mm. He's he's not saying that. I mean, yeah, it, it, you choose what comes out of your mouth. Everybody does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's saying it's really important that you make sure what comes out of your mouth is something that helps other people. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, we could certainly extend that these days, not only to what comes out of our mouths, but also what comes out of our fingertips. Yes, I think we absolutely should. I want to make the observation right up front that when it says, let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth, I don't think that it's as simple or as trite as just simply saying, avoid swear words. Oh, right? absolutely. Because it, it follows it up by saying, say only what helps, each word a gift. Well, yes, and it's perfectly possible to abuse other people. It's that's to traumatize them, <laughs> to crush them, to destroy yeah. them, to hurt them, without uttering a single potty mouth word. Yes, yes, and I, I live in a in an environment and have worked in environments with colleagues who who in a very Australian way um, can barely string sentences together without a number of swear words added in. So I've certainly encountered it. I've chosen in my life not to make it normal to use swear words. But I remember very clearly once when I was in high school and someone um, was actually sort of accusing me or, or describing me as being constrained. They were sort of saying, oh, well, you're a goody goody or basically you're a Christian or, you know, you're a sort of a rule follower. So you can't. And I remember very deliberately choosing on that one on that particular occasion i'm not going to try and imply it's the only time i've ever said a swear word but on that particular occasion i remember deliberately choosing to use one because it in that context it wasn't used for offense it was used for emphasis to try and, and what i was trying to remind that person of was no it it was actually a choice like it's not that i felt that um like you were forbidden. That, yeah. Obviously, there was certain cultural expectations in my family and in, and in my, you know, my environment. But I was trying to remind the person who was who was leveling this sort of description or accusation at me that I was as capable and as able of using those words as anyone. But I had made a choice to avoid them. So I'm, I'm just that's background. I, I'm, I'm not trying to exonerate myself here. I'm not I'm not trying to like I personally choose not to use 
uh, swear words most of the time because I don't find that I need them. I think that language is already very powerful and it's quite possible to express oneself, oneself with more than enough emphasis and enthusiasm without necessarily needing words that that are definitely, um, you know, offensive or in in many contexts. Uh, but what I'm what I'm commenting on here is in verse 29, I, I believe it's talking about something so much more deeper about the way that we use language. And you're correct. It it needs to be applied to the way that we write and type things um, in, in our in our world. Absolutely does. Yeah. I mean, I think that the guiding principle is say or write only what is helpful. Yeah. I mean, how 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 much does that give us pause to to think and reflect on, you know, the way we write work emails, yeah. for example. Yeah. Um, or, 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 or how we, we, we might vent um, in the company of the right people mm. um, because we know that they will listen with a sympathetic ear. Mm. That doesn't necessarily mean our venting is productive or helpful. Yeah. Um, I think I think we could all meditate for a very long time on what it means to say only what is helpful, um, because because it, it it it's a pretty high standard when you think about it a little bit. It's not avoid what is obviously hurtful, yes, or avoid what you, would you consider to be hurtful, yeah, or you know, um, say only things which have. A net neutral effect and better. Yeah. It's say only what is helpful. <laughs> I mean, if I think about how I could better apply that in my life, at least at first, I think it would involve quite a lot of silence. Yeah, uh, that's a really <laughs> because I point. wouldn't be able to think of anything helpful to say. <laughs> that's a that is that's a, a somewhat um, focusing thought, isn't it? To re- to realize. This is this is setting the bar. It's it's what we sometimes say flippantly to kids, right? I mean, if you can't say anything helpful, don't say anything at all. Yes. Um, what we're often doing there is kind of saying you're you're annoying me slightly with your loquaciousness. Can you please refrain from <laughs> five minutes of quiet? Yeah. is all I ask. Um, yes. No, but I mean, we've what you've zeroed on in on there, Luke, is exactly a question posed by this week's uh, lesson pamphlet. It says, think about the power of our words. How can we use them to be more uplifting, encouraging, and faith building? So, so it identifies the um, say what helps, and, and pads that with the words uplifting, encouraging, and faith building. We've already observed that this book of Ephesians is overwhelmingly a, an encouraging tone, so it's at least self consistent for it to to be calling us to to use this sort of um, sort of language. I mean, there are a few practical ideas. I know I've used these in the past. Um, specifically in the context of written communications. We live in a world with with text, rapid text messaging and communication everywhere, right? I mean, emails, social media, um, the uh, phone messaging, comments on posts and videos and things online. Um, one practical step that I've taken in the past is, is to impose myself a, a two or three day limit. Uh, like... Um, pause in other words when i am in a conversation online with someone and and i find myself disagreeing vigorously with them i don't disagree instantly with them i found if you leave a three-day gap it's very very difficult for the conversation to get carried away in fits of passion 
And the disagreement might remain a disagreement, but it is inclined to be more civil and so more productive simply because of the, the slowdown. Is that is that the way we should do any sort of interaction online um, is to read what somebody has written, mm. wait three days, mm. open our writing desk, take out quill and, and parchment, <laughs> write down our reply by hand, yeah. ponder it thoughtfully, <laughs> rewrite it perhaps, and then go to the computer, type it in and send Yes, yes. And only then type it in and send it if you are somehow devoid of carrier pigeons. Yes. <laughs> But, you know, the, the, I, I think it's a really good approach, the process of letting the emotions cool, reflecting mm. on what you're feeling and understanding it and deciding what what you'd want to have come out of your mouth and what sort of outcome you'd like it to achieve Yes, um, in a calm manner before sending anything um, is, is really good advice. And one of the things that instantaneous communication has done i think is created the fallacy that just because it can be instant it all has to be yeah and actually a lot of the communication that we do now um and this comes into more than just sort of abuse or anything like that um what i've observed is that is that people a a lot of it does not need to be nearly as urgent as it is treated yeah um and uh, uh the the tendency of everybody to kind of shoot off a quick email Mm. um, leads to many quick emails of little importance so i think you're right and this is because it's very fair this comment that i've just made about imposing a time delay it's very fair to level the the criticism back at and say oh but if you were actually conversing face to face you would certainly talk without three-day delays between people and and i actually do have a response to that i'm not sure how valid this is but my feeling is when you're conversing verbally, it's trans- transient, ephemeral. The, the memories of the conversation do linger, but not in minute detail and word-by-word You can't accuracy. reread them a yeah. thousand times. You all know, I'm sure, I've had the same feeling. Um, when receiving a written missive that... <clears throat> weighs heavily upon you. It might be something that's really exciting. It might be something that's deeply hurtful or painful or troubling. Um, How easy it is to sit and reread it over and over again. And that can just fuel so much, um, so much, it's so much more powerful is what I'm trying to say. I believe that written, written, um, written word, which can be revisited with repeat which accuracy can be shared and which can be shared and and that's why i'm that's why i personally think you know that in, that increased power in a sense is what deserves the increased caution and that's that's why i that's why i practice the three-day delay hmm. well i think the other thing is as well is when you're face to face with someone there's a whole bunch of other yes things that influence your behavior and I mean, it's well understood that uh, many things that get written online, uh, people would not dare say face to face, because when you're face to face, you realise you're dealing with an actual human being, and you can see their emotions and their reactions and their expression and their body language and a thousand other things, in the tone of their voice that you can't do mm. online. Um, and and uh, and so you know, it's it's kind of it's that classic road ra- road rage thing as well. Mm which is where you can't see the driver. The car, therefore, is not a person. 
uh, and you're free to abuse it um, emotionally speaking. Yep. Um, it's a major cause of road rage, which is why we should have everybody's faces plastered. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's 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 that same sort of thing. So there's a different set of rules for face to face communication. Mm. But if anything, those those protect you even more from abusing someone yep. in many ways. If you have a conscience at all, um, then I think that the delay in writing does. Yes. You know, for me, when I seek, and I always do seek because it it's the way my brain works. I struggle with ineffective communication even when there is some sort of value in it being ineffective Mm. uh, which um, describes a lot of political communication Um, i always seek to communicate as effectively as possible um, when i am talking interacting you know with with another person right i have some information that I need them to understand as clearly and accurately as, as, as possible to the way I understand it. And I need to understand information from them as, as well as I possibly can, the way they understand it. This is, uh, you know, this is what I try and do. And by far, without question and without exception, the best way to do that is always a one-on-one face-to-face in-person conversation. There is no other way to communicate more effectively between two people yeah. i'm i'm quite certain um which is diverting very far from our original topic but um if if it, it also i mean it, it, it it's also connected to that thing i said well if you think about say only that which is helpful you may find yourself being silent a lot more mm. i think that is really quite relevant because if you know that the only way to really effectively communicate with somebody on certain topics mm. which are very deep and require um you know effective communication well you know you can't do it with an email so you don't write the email you know you can't do it with a facebook post yeah. so you don't write the facebook post. um you know you know you can't do it in the comments section yes so you don't do it um and i think that perhaps is really good practical advice directly from paul's letter to ephesians to us in our modern world today yeah i think you're right um I don't, there's one other aspect here and I need to be careful because I know that we can't do a nuanced word by word analysis here. We've read it from the message, which is deliberately taking a more paraphrased approach. But I just want to pick up the first part of that phrase in verse 29. It's, it's rendered, watch the way you talk, not watch what you say. And there's a subtle mm. difference here. I think it's similar and it's, and the, the, the remainder of that verse actually do to sort of focus perhaps slightly more on what is being said even than how it's being said. But I just want to, I just want to meditate briefly on this, watch the way you talk. It's, it's a reminder that there are, you know, sometimes people just hide behind, you know, well, it's true. You know, like they've said something, someone has taken offense and they say, well, it was true. It's true. As if somehow that means so I, obviously, I can say it. So it's okay for me to offend yeah, you with no, it because it's which, true. Which is, which is totally ignoring the very obvious, and we all know instinctively obvious truth, that there are multiple ways to say things, right? Yes. And I, I just think it's, it's worth explicitly reminding ourselves at this point that the way 
It's rendered here in the message, verse 29, watch the way you talk is actually really valuable as well. Um, mm. And I think this is, this is where it's relevant because one, one issue that comes up, I think, that we have to be fair about is if it says, say only what helps, um, there are times when critical and negative comments are going to need to be made. And they, on face value, don't seem to be helping. I think we need to be aware that the need for these comments is way less than we often imagine. <laughs> um, yes. But in the right context, within established relationships, within friendships, within you know certain, certain um, contexts, I think that it will be something that needs to be said. But watch the way you say it. Pay attention. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't have any, any clear tips about how to do that. But I think, we, I, think, I think we can fall back on the, you know, basically, how would we like that, that thing to be communicated to us? We all could answer that fairly clearly. That's going to be a great guide for yes. how to go about communicating it to someone else. Well, no, what you're just saying, it reminds me of some research that I read about um, once where they were looking into the causes of divorce. Mm. Um, and very interesting, what they found was there is no correlation between the likelihood of divorce. They, they, this was a study done over many years. So the people from newlyweds all the way through to being married for 30 years, mm. you know, it was one of those sort of generational studies. Um, no correlation whatsoever between frequency of argument yeah. and likelihood of divorce. So couples who didn't argue much at all, equally as likely to divorce as couples who argued literally daily. Yeah. However, uh, what did correlate very strongly with the likelihood of divorce was how well the couples made up after the argument, mm. which is, or, or how civil the, the argument was, how careful they were with their language, how well they understood each other, how respectful towards yeah. each other they were while disagreeing, Yeah, right? So in effect, exactly what you're saying, um, couples who argued better yeah. with each other who were better at arguing with each other were less likely to divorce than couples who were bad at it because they're the ones who would really hurt each other. Mm. And I think it is, you know, very consistent with Paul's advice um, to think about, well, how, how do you get good at, how do you get good at disagreeing with people mm. without being offensive or hurtful or, or getting caught up emotionally yourself? Um, and, you know, you you definitely can't do that with people you don't know that well if you can't do it with people you do know really yeah um and uh and and so that would be the natural starting point is you know your sort of closest relationships i've always considered uh it to be a great privilege to have to have relationships with people where i am comfortable disagreeing with them because i know it's not going to we're we're going to disagree in such a way uh, as to not cause our relationship any sort of damage, yeah. which is not what you can say for most people. You know, your typical casual acquaintance or work relationship, a, a, a disagreement with, mm. you know, a, a quite you know serious disagreement in that sort of sense, um, is is not going to be a pleasant or productive experience, probably. Yeah, and you know at least. That, that that may be my sort of view. I know there's other people who kind of relish um, confrontation, disagreement. I'm I'm not such a one. <laughs> um, well, I, I go out of my way to avoid disagreeing with people um, because I don't feel 
comfortable. I don't feel capable of doing it well. Yeah. Coming back to that sort of language about it. Yeah. Um, and it's only people I know really well who I can sort of disagree with. Um, I think this is a really useful and practical and fruitful thing for us to all ponder. And I'm looking at the at the clock. We're probably almost at the time that we need to stop this recording. I just want to comment on one other thing. The the passage we read opened with a description of a empty-headed, mindless crowd that had refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. This idea that you can deny something enough that you actually make it your own reality, even if that's not the real reality. In other words, the decisions that we make, the actions that we do, do end up forming who we are. We've commented on this because we talked about the the anger uh, in verse 26. We've commented on this because we've talked about making decisions about the way that we will talk and the kinds of sentiments that we're going to try and express and i'm just closing back to that opening that opening verse or two of the passage as a reminder that these sorts of things are regular ongoing decisions and they they genuinely i think this does match empirical lived experience they genuinely do need to be regular ongoing decisions and that the nature of those regular ongoing decisions do genuinely alter people and their realities um, mm. And so, uh, you know, we've commented on this before. I'm reminded of the the dwarves in C.S. Lewis's Narnia stories, the the last one, the the last battle, who enter into what is effectively the new earth, uh, but in analogy, but think they are in a dark and stinking stable, and can't be persuaded of the fact that they're wrong. And it's because they have so consistently fought against being taken in by anyone. And, and it's a great analogy for this idea that you could, through a, through a systematic pattern of decisions and actions, that you could end up reinforcing your reality into a way that became so twisted and so disconnected from God and from reality itself that there really isn't much way out of that. And I think that's a, it's a kind of sobering thought, but it also adds validity to the idea that these sorts of things we've discussed in this episode do have meaning regular meaning as we as we make this they're not just decisions about what i'm going to write in this particular facebook post they're actually decisions about what sort of reality what sort of a um person am i wanting to align with um i think that's part of what it means to be following god in the way of jesus Mm. i think that's a really interesting thought to ponder uh, as uh, you go away from listening to the podcast whenever and wherever you are. Yeah. Well, it's great that you've been listening. Uh, we, we're we aware, we can see on the stats uh, from the podcast host, we're aware that there are people listening locally. Uh, some are friends, some are family. We're also aware that there are people listening all around the world. And we're uh, thrilled, we're excited uh, to to think that somehow what we're doing with this podcast is valuable to you. We're grateful for that and we thank God for it. And if you feel like it'd be useful to anyone of your acquaintances, you could pass the links on. Um, And we look forward to you joining us for the next episode.